Welcome to the Protectors Podcast. We really just kind of, this is like an ad hoc. We're in person here. We're at a, uni- a very cool university down south. And we are doing a different type of podcast because it's like a couple's podcast. And now the wife gets to ask the husband questions. It's going to be kind of interesting because both have law enforcement background, an intense law enforcement background. But one also has an incredible knife company. And if anybody knows me, you know my background with knives. Somehow I've transitioned from knives to guns. And now that I'm looking at these knives now, I think I'm going to be transitioning back to buying more knives. Welcome to the show, Ken and Janet Brock. Hello. Glad to be here. Is this your first podcast? Absolutely. Your first podcast. And your wife is co-hosting. That's fantastic. Welcome, Janet. (laughs) She's very apprehensive because this is her first podcast too, right? So marketing, 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 marketing. Now I've been to your website, sold out, incredible knives. We're going to get into your background in a little while, but it's such a different animal coming from the background of a protector and then trying to put a product on a market and market it. You're not a salesman. I mean, you sell yourself to the public in a way with your, your mentality and your, your rhetoric, but putting a, an incredible product and getting it out there to the masses, that's pretty tough. So originally, I got into knife making. I made a few knives in shop in high school. And later on, as I was in law enforcement, there was a guy that would, he would work courthouse security. And then he would go and work a side job as a basketball game. And then he would go and work at Walmart as a side job. And then he would go and work something else. And he would work so much that he couldn't make it home. He would actually go sleep in a cell at the courthouse. And at that point, I'm like, this dude's living on three hours of sleep a day. He's not ever going home. I'm not going to be the guy that lives in a uniform. I'm going to find something else that's going to give me an option to make money because cop pay is terrible. So I sold a couple of guns and a couple of custom knives and I bought a knife grinder and some steel and I just started working on trying to figure out the business as I could. And as far as marketing, what I didn't want to happen is working full time in law enforcement. I didn't have a ton of time to devote to making knives. So I didn't try to market my presence because then if, if it grew too big, I wouldn't be able to keep up with demand. And I didn't want people to have, you know, they order something and it's five years before it gets to them. So I purposely suppressed the, the marketing to a degree until I retired. You know, social media is a different animal. We'll get into that. But let's talk about your background, both of your backgrounds. Now, Janet, you've, you know, you work for different police agencies and now you work for a a really incredible college down south and transitioning. And you guys are doing all this, all this, and you're doing it together and here and there. But now you're here and now you're supporting your husband with his, it's not even a side job anymore. It's it's like a business. 
So let's talk about like what that's like to, you know, hey, you know, I lost you to the job and now I'm, I'm losing you to the grinder. So, and I'm not talking about grinder. I'm talking about like the knife grinder. So yeah. Thanks for clarifying. Yeah, I had to clarify that. <laughs> well, several years in working with the knives and now that he's retired, but still working at the shit, at the department <clears throat> that he's working for. Um, mainly his, his knives that he was making were f- fixed blades. Um, we had been thinking and talking a lot about making a folder for several years. And now that he's retired and I'm working and I have a good job, um, that's where my support comes in trying to get my husband to push himself a little further and developing a folder. So hopefully we'll have a folder here coming soon. Hopefully in a couple of months. I love fixed blades, though. I love fixed blades. And, you know, one of the things about your website and everything is coming from your background, like SWAT, LEO, you know what how important it is to have something readily available, but the right shape and the right strength. So how do we how do we let's talk about the building of a knife. I mean, is this something you do like in your garage, you got a workshop, you have a a shop and how do you how do you, is it like you buy buy the steel and then you do this, you do that? Yeah, so essentially I use <coughs> one of two materials. Uh, I use titanium for people that want a super lightweight, non-corrosive blade. And I also use a steel that it's called um, CPM3V, which lets me, the strength of the steel lets me use a little bit thinner stock than I normally would for the old type of steels. Up until about 2003, every steel that was out there was adapted from some other industry. So ATS-34 was originally made by Hitachi of Japan for aircraft turbines. Somebody figured it would make a good knife steel, so they pressed it out into sheets and then began to use it for for knives. Uh, D2 was a common steel. It's a tool and die steel that's used to cut other steel. So about 2003, Crucible Metals came up with a process where they actually formulated knife steel for specifically for knives. And they worked with some knife makers. And essentially what they would do is they would take all the elements that are in the steel, they put it into this crucible and they melt it, and then they shoot it through air nozzles to powder it. And then they collect that, melt it again, and then form it into bars. So the steel is more homogenous. In the old days, you may have a pit here where there was a lump of chromium, or you may have a, a piece of carbon that was in a certain place. So anyway, long story, the, the steel was developed. So I used crucible steel, 3Vs the formula, and then I have it heat treated by a company. So the only step I don't do is heat treating. I send it to a professional company in Pennsylvania. They harden it in an oxygen-free oven. They cryogenically treat it. They test every blade for the hardness that I specify. And if any of them warp during the process, they straighten them. Um, But basically, I get bars of the steel. Sometimes I have patterns on my wall that if I'm going to make a skein do, like the ones on the table, I'll trace out that pattern and then cut it out and grind it. Um, Sometimes I have an idea. So if you say, hey, I'd like to have a four-inch fixed blade, and this is kind of the idea, I'll just take a Sharpie and kind of roughly sketch what my idea is, and then I just start grinding and 
and kind of, I mean, I hate to sound artsy, but you kind of, you, you, you know what you're going to end up with. You just have to play with it. I love that word, art, because it's craft. And that's a lot of us in this community, especially law enforcement, military, anybody been in a protector community that you're dealing with everyday stress, but then you're dealing with everybody else's everyday stress. You really need a creative outlet, whether that's art. Yeah. And this is like, to me, believe it or not, podcasting and writing True. is a different, it's my craft, it's my art. But for you getting into the knife industry, it's your outlet, it's your craft. It was, maybe it started off as something like, yeah, maybe this will be a side hustle, maybe this will be something I enjoy. But now it's it's into the business side, but it's also still your art and still your craft. And I think when you look at small business owners like you, and when you look at, uh, there's so many different incredible knife makers out there, every one of them is unique. Yeah. Now, we all know the big manufacturers, they're cutting these things out, they're, they're shipping them out. But when you're buying a piece of steel from someone who's putting their energy into their art, their craft, their designs, I think that's a different animal. And I think that's where the price points are, are spot on. Yeah, absolutely. It, a lot of these places are making <coughs> so many of the same thing and everything's fixtured. Um, I grind everything freehand. I, I don't own anything to measure certain things. I had I had an engineer friend of mine came over one day and he was watching me make knives. And after about an hour, he's like, I could tell something was bugging him. And I'm like, okay, what is it? What's wrong? Get it off your chest. And he says, I've been here an hour. You haven't measured a damn thing. And I just, I just don't because I don't know if I'm smart enough to measure it and have it come out the way I want it. I've just been doing everything because I've been making knives for 21 years. So I have a process, and I think if I mess with that process, it's going to mess up the final product. Jenny, you've been watching this for a while now. And I do have a question to ask my husband. Okay, there we go. I've been, I've been waiting. Okay. I do want you to talk about, because I think it's amazing, how, you know, being a police officer, we have the brotherhood. And how we build that, you know, our community and the things that we do. But, you know, being married to you and learning a lot about the knife uh, making world, um, I have been honored and had a privilege to be part of that community uh, through you when we go to the Blade Show and how that has influenced also even our children. If you can talk about a little bit about, you know, that community and, you know, the people that are the knife makers and, you know, how it, how that impacts their family. So the knife-making community is pretty unique, I think, in that when I started making knives and I would ask some of the guys that I already knew in the industry, I'm like, hey, what about this or what about that? And they're like, look, here's some ideas, here's some advice. I'll send you some stuff. I had a couple of guys that are like, look, don't try to invent something right out of the gate. It's a common rookie mistake in knife-making. You try to come up with something different. It's different because it doesn't work. And so the some of the best advice I was given by other knife makers is, hey, I'll send you some of my blanks. You learn grinding first, then work on design. Knife making community is big into helping each other. I can only think of one guy offhand that was resistant to helping anybody. You know, his, his processes were proprietary and that kind of thing. And for the most part, they will help you do anything. And my kids have grown up around that to the point that some of the guys I hang out with treat them like their own children. 
Um, my daughter works the table with us at the blade show and which I let her sell. She's a lot better salesperson than I am. <laughs> but, um, even to the point where they would send my daughter started making jewelry out of knife materials. And I would just get boxes in the mail <coughs> of materials like, Hey, give this to your daughter so she can turn it around and make money. That's, you know, the family aspect of it is really cool. And, you know, one th- one community, it sounds like, is like the writing community. It's the same thing. There's like, I've interviewed so many authors and so many creatives that they'll help everybody else out. And it's such an incredible community. Because I, I think with the knife community, it's like me. I can't just have one gun. I can't just have one knife. can't just have one book. So if you're having a, you, you know, unique, if you're having a unique product, nobody else is going to have that same product. So when I go to buy a knife, I'm always looking at something I'm like, that's me. That fits me. And it's not everyone. Nobody else is going to have it. So when you have this whole community and then you integrate your family, that's that's an incredible experience. Yeah. And it's very common <clears throat> if I put a knife up on Instagram, for instance, at least four or five of my friends that are in the business will repost it and say, hey, go buy this from this guy before it's gone. You're not going to buy one knife, and that's the only knife you're going to have forever. If you're a knife person, you're going to buy one from me. You're going to buy one from Strider Knives. You're going to buy one from Les George. You're going to buy one from Spartan Blades. And all these guys are friends of mine, and we will just we will suggest our knives to somebody else, especially when I was working full-time. And if somebody would reach out to me, and they're like, hey, I want to buy something. I'm like, hey, you should buy one from my buddy Les. That's his job. It was just a side thing for me. It, it didn't matter if I sold a knife that month, but hey, maybe he needed to sell four or five to to make sure that he was going to get the income that month that he needed. So it it really is a close knit community. Mm-hmm. I would agree. I think I've seen a lot of amazing things, um, especially when um, the knife makers get together, like in Atlanta during that big knife show. And then you have sometimes within that little community, they know that there's somebody in need, how they get together, and they will either work on making this knife to donate it to that family whenever they're in need, which law enforcement, we do the same thing. We get together when we see that one of ours is in need, or even if it's not in the same agency, when we know that there's somebody that in need, the community gets together and tries to help out. Yeah. In 2015, a good friend of mine died suddenly. He was a knife maker. And it was a month, six weeks before the Blade Show in Atlanta. And so his close friend that lived near him said, hey, I'm going to send the knives out that he was building. And I'm going to send one to each of his friends. So 20 knives went out to 20 different friends of his. So we all finished his knives for the show. All of his family came to the show, sat at his table, and they auctioned off all those those 20 folders to support his family. I, you know, this community, and that's what people need. Like mm-hmm. when you're looking for that, don't look for the almighty dollar sign. Everybody wants a side hustle where they're going to make a million dollars. If you can make a, if you can make a side hustle into a business, that's actually not just lucrative, but also emotionally supportive. Cause it's another mission. You know, we all look when we retire, when we move out of these careers, we need another mission to keep us mentally sane. Absolutely, keep our foot in that in that world too. So, uh, more power to you. 
and not only that, but you even have some friends that will do something, especially if, if somebody was looking for doing a knife and something happened to them, you'll see knife makers get together and push that project with not asking nothing in return and yeah. the benefit of that person or their families. And I think that's incredible. I still visualize the knife maker like the blacksmith. Yeah. You know, I, that's like in my <laughs> mind because like with guns and with knives comes the Western guns in the Western era. And, you know, I think a lot of us have the same type of thing where it's like, you know, the six shooter days, the blacksmith, that you're using your hands, you're building something, you're creating something with you. And that must be a cool experience when you're out there, you're, you're in your zone and you're like the sharpness, the, the design, and then the handles. That's one thing I want to talk about is the handle. So you yeah. can, blades are great, but the handles are really that added touch. The real artwork is where, where it shows out. Yeah. So I, I tried to find a balance of having a knife that was smooth enough that it wouldn't tear your clothing up. So if you carry concealed, uh, you, I'm sure you're familiar with the way that your gun will knock holes in your shirt. Mm -hmm. The same kind of thing for a blade. And actually another knife maker friend of mine, we were at the blade show and he was telling me, he does a similar handle to mine and I said, Martin, how do you how do you get it smooth but yet textured the same way? And he was a he's a big old Texan and he says, I just throw the whole damn thing in a tumbler. Oh yeah. And I'm like, what? That because I'm thinking, having never used a tumbler, I'm thinking, well that'll just eat away your yeah. material. No, it you throw it in there for a couple of hours and now so all these grooves are textured by hand on a small wheel on the grinder and then once that's done i bead blast the whole thing throw it in the tumbler for a couple of hours and pull it out wash it off soak it with, with wd-40 and you have this nice smooth texture with uh, uh with with no hot spots that's going to end up biting into your hand or your your waistband now you may have heard some shuffling or something in the background during this podcast. What I was doing is I was actually looking, I'm looking at three blades right now. And one thing that really kind of hit right off the bat was super light. They're titanium. Titanium. This is such an incredible blade. And I love, I, I love fixed blades, but I also like, it's almost like the dagger type. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think that's Pirelio world. And I think in, you know, a lot of our different worlds, when it comes to having something that's solid and something that's straight and something that could fit on your side or in your kit, I think that's an incredible aspect of it. So titanium is a pretty cool material. The problem is that it doesn't – it's not hardenable. Mm -hmm. At least most grades of titanium that are affordable are not hardenable like steel. So most knives are going to be in the Rockwell hardness of between 55 to 62. Titanium only gets about 42. So what I do, and I, I didn't come up with this, I stole it from somebody else, is you weld a layer of tungsten carbide. Okay. So this gray layer here is tungsten carbide. And then you sharpen the other side. And what happens is that gives you a thin edge of tungsten carbide, which I think is in the lower 70s on the hardness scale. So it actually gives you a little more edge retention long term in in dealing with um with cutting the thing about it is there's a trade-off for everything if you want 
one of my steel knives in 3V is going to hold an edge a long time. It's going to be uh, strong, but it's going to be a little harder to sharpen than, say, a 1095 or an 01 carbon steel because they're softer. Titanium is softer, it's lighter, it's non-corrosive, but it's never <clears throat> going to cut as good as steel. Now, each one of them will shave hair off my leg before it leaves the shop, which my wife gives me a hard time about. <laughs> but um, it you just have to pick the right tool for the job. I think, you know, being a layman, uh, being someone that's like, it's almost like medical jargon to me. When you're talking about like knife hard, and it makes a lot of sense with the, you're going to have trade-off. And my biggest concern ever has always been like, what if I break the tip off the blade when I'm going to be opening some stupid thing like a safe it's never going to happen but it's like it's like me with before when we were talking about guns i'm like well you never know i'm going to run into a bear out in the woods <laughs> we were talking about this before but it's like yeah you may have a light blade but and it may lose its sharpness but a fixed blade like the titanium to me would be like hey you know what this is kind of cool it's going to be on my kit i'm not going to use it every day i'm not going to be using it to open up the amazon boxes i'm not going to be like shaving hairs on my legs every day but it's going to be an excellent utility. And when the time comes, it's going to be on my kit. It's going to be light enough to where it's not. And we all know, like in, in the law enforcement world, even in a tactical world, every ounce counts. Yeah. So when you're talking, when you when you pick up these blades, are super lightweight. A so. lot of the guys on my former team are carrying a titanium fixed blade that I made. It, they forget it's there. They will tuck it in beside a magazine pouch, and if they need it, it's there and it works. And they know if – my warranty is pretty simple. If you break it, I'll fix it or replace it. Not that that's ever happened. I think I have – I've had a couple of guys that dropped a steel knife on concrete and chipped about an eight-inch – eighth of an inch um, piece off the tip, and I just sharpen it out. So it's, it's not a huge problem. So we're getting into a new generation, the folders. Yeah. And, I've you know, that's – that's got to be an interesting thing to get into too with the it to me it's like watchmaking like you know you could have you know the the swatches and stuff like that but then you're going to get into like the anything in between up to the rolexes but how are you gonna how do you put together a fixed blade how do you put together a fixed blade or a folder i mean folder yeah so you could do it in a similar way as, as i do with a fixed blade you can cut out each handle you can cut out each blade the problem is there's going to be a variation that's going to take a whole lot more hand fitting so what you do is you find a friend like mine that when we went to visit him at his shop i took one of my fixed blades he put it in his computer it can figure out where the pivot needs to be it will actually fold in the computer and then once it's where we want it he prints it out on his 3d printer and sends it to me, and then I can play with it and figure out. And then he, in his computer, he can nest all of the. So, like on a on a let's say a two by two sheet of titanium, the computer will program out all the handles, for instance, at with the least amount of waste. And then he can send that file to a water jet guy or CNC guy. And they can cut all that out so all the parts are the same. Oh, okay. So do the same thing for the blades. So then when it comes to me, there's a lot of cleanup and stuff I'll have to do. And I'll grind the blades. They're, they're not going to be mid-tech. They're not going to be manufactured in a facility somewhere. 
and then I have to fit them all together. And you have to grind the the face of the lock and to make sure everything. It's a lot of fiddly stuff. You have to put it together. Okay, this didn't quite right. I have to take it apart again. Take it back over to the grinder, touch it up, put it back together. So there's, there's a lot of that that goes on. So I'm going to go to uh, folder making school at my buddy's house for a couple of days when when we actually get the parts cut out, so he can show me some of the the easier ways to do it with with less possibility for losing parts and and messing something up. And that goes back into what we started talking about initially is he's going to take a couple of days out of his work to help me. Not only that, but <clears throat> I'm excited about your folder because I have a personal experience with the folders. When my children were born, because he's a knife maker, I had the privilege to have my husband grind a knife and cut my children's umbilical cord, and that was really, really awesome. <laughs> now that's cool. So a friend of mine, uh, Mick Strider with Strider Knives, sent me one of their SMF folders. And he says it was just a, a box of parts with a blank blade that he'd already heat treated and it, he'd written my name on it in Sharpie. So I ground the blade out, put the folder together, and and I didn't take any of the Sharpie off. I left all the layout fluid he'd put on it. And I was carrying that knife when our daughter, we we went to the hospital to for, for her to have our daughter. And Janet says, you should cut the cord with your knife. And the, the obstetrician comes in, and I said, hey, I'm going to cut this cord with this knife. And he's like, cool. He he was a super, super cool doctor. He actually took a, a CWP class for me years ago. And then when our son was born, I said, I'm going to use that same knife, and I'm going to have it. Uh, I'll end up having it engraved with both of their names and birthdays. But as a thank you, I made the obstetrician a little knife and, and gave it to him. And the nurse comes back in. She said, oh, honey, that fool done cut himself with that knife out there acting like an idiot, like some kind of ninja. <laughs> so they, they had to patch up the obstetrician before he delivered our son. You know, the, that, that is an incredible thing about folders, too, is like every folder means something. Like to me, I'd, I'd like to have a folder that I hand out to my daughter, to my son, to other people. I've given folders away to like really good friends. Mm-hmm. Folders are like... They're another thing that's art. When you, cause you're carrying, you can carry a folder with you anywhere. Yeah. I mean, if I rolled up anywhere and I have a fixed blade on my belt, people are going to be like, huh, is this dude a biker or what's going on here? Watching a little too much Sons of Anarchy or something like that. But, uh, a folder, you can carry that around with you. You could, the, and people, it's like art. I'm like, hey, I'm going to wear this outfit. I'm going to wear this one because of the, you know, I don't know what it is. You know, there's something about it too. And everything and it has a story behind it. Everything has a story behind it. Yeah, and people buy folding knives about 10 to 1 over fixed blades. I tend to carry a fixed blade everywhere. Um, I rarely carry a folder myself, but that's just me. Most people prefer to carry a folder. You know, we've been talking for a bit now, and maybe we should probably tell people where to buy your knives. So my website is brockblades.com or brockblades.net. It goes to the same place. I don't usually have a ton in stock. A a lot of times, as we were talking before you started recording, I can either grind steel or I can spend time all day on the website listing knives. So what I tend to do is get a batch together and send them to one of my dealers. So uh, 
Monkey Edge is one of my dealers, and Knife Center is the other big dealer. I love it. I'm I'm looking forward to buying one, and I'm looking forward to carrying one. And I'm definitely going to buy a folder when it comes out. But, um, you know, I've kind of hogged up a lot of the air. Does Janet have any questions? I would say if you're going to buy anything, you need to buy something that is titanium because, it, like I said, there is a story behind it. Um, it is amazing as a wife pulling up to your driveway and w- watching your husband catch on fire oh, while he's trying to grind those knives. So there's always a story behind it. So, so titanium is a terrible material to work with. <laughs> Um, if I'm grinding a steel blade, so <clears throat> the knife grinder is a two by 72 inch belt that goes over different attachments that you have on a, uh, a horse and a half or two horsepower motor. And so when I'm grinding, if I'm grinding steel, the steel is heavy enough. It just falls down. When you're grinding titanium, the pieces that are coming off are so light, they kind of float in the air. And they'll settle, they'll settle wherever, but usually on your hand. And a spark will eventually catch. And it's like trying to to flick a 3,000 degree booger off your hand. And you're doing this kung fu fighting in the shop, an invisible <laughs> opponent trying to get this off while you're burning. And, uh, so you can imagine she finds, me pulling up to the She uh-huh. finds that humorous for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> That's why we have good homeowner insurance. You got to get the you know the camera for that one next time. Yeah, I need to make a reel of that. It would go viral. It's, well, I do want. It wanna, is hilarious though. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking blades. Well, I, I could really. I mean, if we had another hour, we could really get into it. But uh, you know, the protector is only like thirty thirty five minutes. But sure. looking forward to really checking out the blades. Janet, you are a protector, and Ken, you are too. And I do want to thank you both. I mean, we believe me, someone comes from the military and everything, and a lot of people, to my idea is this. If you're giving back to the community, if you're if you put on a badge, you put on a uniform, you're giving back, you are serving, and thank you both for your service, and thank you for what you're Thanks doing for the community, and I really appreciate this. I appreciate your hospitality as well. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Uh, make sure you go to Instagram, too, because we know all about this marketing stuff. Brock Blades. Brock uh, underscore Blades is Instagram. Yep. And we'll definitely be pushing these out. And thank you both so much. Thank you.